Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices talk radio news program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. My guest today, Doris W. Geltman, Esquire. Doris W. Geltman is a private solo attorney whose practice is focused entirely on elder law. Attorney Geltman has earned a B.A. in history, and she possesses an abiding interest in the subjects of U.S. presidential history and also European history from 1870 through World War II. Doris Geltman is also the moderator of the Facebook group I get all my political information from Doris Gelpman. Welcome, Doris. How are you? Thank you. I'm glad to talk to you, and, and um, you know, you're being, dare I say, possessed <laughs> sometimes <laughs> with presidential history. Well, we're going to talk politics. We're going to talk history. We're going to talk, even though it's opinion, it's opinion based on factual history as well as current facts that are provable. But I'm going to start out with something light and, and uh to get us going in a jovial mood. Doris, mayor of Mooseville. <laughs> you know I was going to ask about that. Tell us about Moose by the Creek, Madam Mayor. Uh, well, I first of all, I should say that is not an elected office. It is an appointed <laughs> position. Okay. And uh, I have retained that for the last several years, actually, since it became Mooses by the Creek. For folks that don't know it, it's one of the greatest spots in Charlottesville, not only because of the food, but because of the company. Hmm. It is one of those places where people of all stripes join together and break bread there. It's a restaurant, yes. but there are people of every color, people of every social strata, people of every sexual orientation, uh, and they all sit comfortably together and you can talk about sports, you can talk about politics, you can talk about whatever you want and the discussion is is sane and uh -huh. civil and people gonna... are respectful of one another including uh, people from very different backgrounds mm. and, and I love being in that environment because it's frankly so rare these days. But the food's also terrific. Well, I'm not always in Charlottesville, but I am going to come visit it when I am. So Moose's by the Creek. Yes. 
because that is exactly what I crave and I think a lot of people are craving it different points of view sitting in the same room having a civil conversation my god what could we learn from that well we we need to learn it Uh, we, we need to figure that out because I think that we have been for some time not just in the recent years but for some time now in a very you know people talk about this all the time how polarized our society is, and it's true, and it's not just political, it's in many respects. Many of the issues that people disagree on are not really even political at all, they're Mm. social issues, Mm -hmm. and I won't get into the specifics of those, but they really are not about political positions at all, they're religion, they're social, all of those sort of things. Mm -hmm. And and it's a shame that we waste so much time arguing over over those kinds of things instead of figuring out what we can do together. Or at least letting, you know, live and let live. Whatever happened to that, you know? Uh, We don't have to, in my opinion, we don't have to agree on everything, but be willing to discuss it if, if that's a good thing. But I also find that we are using social media, that is people, not necessarily you and I, to say things that we wouldn't necessarily say to someone to their face. And worst of all, you know, you can't believe 75% of what's on the internet. And if you do, well, you need to go to Mooses by the Creek. Uh, People have definitely weaponized social media to the point where, you know, it really is a dangerous place. I, I think I told you this story where during the events that happened here in Charlottesville, when we had a nice little visit from various Klansmen and later from the other bunch that I made a comment on my Twitter page and was virtually threatened with my life mm-hmm. as a result of that. And, uh, you know, I mean, those, those are scary things. I wonder also, sometimes I get, uh, and I admit I like Bernie Sanders very much, and I would have mm-hmm. been happy if he had been elected president, but I am I'm getting a little weary of older men who are constantly shouting or or telling us what to do or what to think. And of course, mm-hmm. Trump just went in extreme on that, which which really, I don't think the answer is just elect young women. I'm not saying that, but how no, do we... No, in fact, I, I'm very much not a proponent of judging a candidate by their genitals or by their age <laughs> or by their color or any <laughs> other inherent characteristic. I'd like to, to think that we have more brains than that. Exactly. I'm not sure that we do. As but, an electorate. Yeah, I know, and, and we have to accept that as the electorate, all of this comes back on us. Uh, we make yes. the choices. I, yes. and, uh, I just wonder, what do you think? What what makes a good candidate, and how do we find them? Well, I think there's a couple of um, interesting, you know, you, you said at the top of the show, you talked about, you know, a historical perspective of, you know, who were, who were some of the better presidents. And in my view, and this is not necessarily a popular view, uh, but one of the best presidents that we ha- ever had in terms of being effective was Lyndon Johnson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you take away the whole Vietnam War issues, which he inherited, they were not of his making, uh, he didn't necessarily handle that well. But when you look at his record as a legislator and then later as president, knowing how to make some very significant legislative things happen, uh, and still a very polarized society. We had some very serious things happening with the Vietnam War, with uh, civil rights unrest, all those other things were going on. And still he managed to get things passed that are with us today and make people's lives much better. The Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, Medicaid, Medi- you know, all, uh, all of those expansions 
are are very much credited to Lyndon Johnson specifically. He knew how to get that done and got it done. Well, I think also, sadly, the assassination of John Kennedy helped get, get a lot of that through because a lot of that was sitting in the Congress prior to LBJ becoming the president. I must admit, though, uh, uh, for me, he has been an acquired taste, and it has taken yes. it's taken a while. But I certainly right. appreciate the fact that um, he is what Donald Trump always claims to be. LBJ right. uh, and Donald Trump, of course, isn't. His is all talk. Right. LBJ got on the phone and knew how to talk the talk to any any age uh, of either gender, uh, no matter what part of the country you were from. I mean, he picked up the phone knowing that uh, there was legislation he was pleading for, specifically, as you mentioned, the Civil Rights Act, and that he would lose all of his personal friends and supporters, but he might lose the South for the Democratic Party. He was very much aware of that, and yet he plowed ahead. Anyway. did it anyway. That's right. Got to respect yeah. that. But I think, the, I think, and if you read Doris Kearns, uh, Goodwin's book about Lyndon Johnson. She talks about how he grew up, how he came to be that way, yes. uh, how he operated as a as a young congressman, and the and the importance of knowing what poverty was like in his community as a young man, mm -hmm. and why that colored his approach to to doing those programs, those social programs that he was really, I mean, just from Tennessee Valley Authority and, and, yes, and Medicaid right. and all those other things that were very important to him, uh, and really were not all that important to John Kennedy. I agree with you that many of those things got done in the wake of the assassination, but that groundwork was laid in Congress long before he became president. Unfortunately, the good, bad, and the ugly we inherit, and then the question is, yes. what do we do with it? What do we do about right. it? Yeah. So to, to, to answer your question, you know, when I look at the current crop of people that are running for the Democratic nomination, you you know, you make you make mention of Bernie Sanders as an old white guy. There's another old white guy that's getting ready to announce this yes. week. Yes, yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> Biden, who you know, for good or for or for bad, he has that same kind of long legislative experience, yes. reaching across the aisle, getting things done. He and, he and Bernie Sanders both uh, yes. are are very good at that stuff. That's right. Um, and and I'm you know I'm not in a position to to say one is better than the other of any of these candidates. Uh, and there are things that in both of their history that are not so positive. Mm -hmm. I mean, Joe Biden's position during the Clarence Thomas hearings has been was abysmal. Uh, and you know so you. Yes. you you got to say, all right, I'm willing to let go of that in favor of this and, mm -hmm. and support this candidate for this reason or, or otherwise. I think we Democrats, I don't know if you're a Democrat or not, but um, uh, as the old cliche goes, we love to fall in love. And yeah. and, and at the moment, because the, the alternative is, is, is something we cannot abide, let alone love, it, it makes us, instead of... And, and and to a certain extent, I'm pleased that we're not quick to just grab the next thing coming down the pike, although some are doing that. Um, mm -hmm. But but it um, we are digging in our heels looking for that perfection. And right. Not going to happen. Exactly. I want to use now to get some clarity about what we're talking about politically and the non-perfection in the candidates on either side. Kate Smith. What's going on with Kate Smith and 
taking down her statue and not playing her recording of God Bless America. My God, what could be wrong with singing Kate Smith singing God Bless America? But they have found uh, recordings of her singing songs way back when. You know, Kate Smith's been gone a while. And this was very much in her youth. And she, the songs had uh, racial negative connotations. And when do we reach a point where we say, because you said let go, and uh, thinking of Biden, and I was appalled by his behavior then too. When is it that we say, okay, the expiration date on that uh, has passed? And well, I think I, I think that those are are difficult analogies to draw with the Kate Smith thing. I think of that more like some other things where somebody says, "Oh, you know, that was awful. She should never have done that. I would never." My answer to that is, "Don't listen to Kate Smith." Then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that which is different from saying don't vote for that candidate because mm-hmm. there are repercussions to that. Mm-hmm. That you know the the lack of voting has gotten us where we are really and truly, it's the lack of turnout and only certain people who are very energized about a particular candidate that have us where we are today. Yes, exactly. Um, so turnout, I think, is a much more important factor than this shelf life that bad behavior might have had. If bad behavior were going to keep people out of office, the current person mm-hmm. in the White House would never have come close. <laughs> exactly. <right? laughs> uh, so, you know, I don't, I, I, I think that that's, for, for people that got caught up with uh, Biden's behavior in, in Clarence Thomas or whatever somebody's, you know, misstep was, uh, I, I, I think they need to get over it and say, what, you know, where are they today? What, mm-hmm. what is their position today? We talk about people, for example, evolving on gay rights. That was Barack Obama's thing. He sure. was very anti-gay marriage. Yes. Uh, and outspoken about it. And then when he got cornered, by the way, by Joe Biden, yes. uh, who was vocal proponent of gay marriage, uh, Barack had to suddenly evolve yes. on the issue mm-hmm. and, and, and turn it about face. Everybody said, oh, great, he's on our side now. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, I don't know if I'm buying that. Well, but I, it was I politically it, expedient for him to do that, and yeah. and it's amazing what short memories people have, or you know, when it suits us. Maybe I seem inconsistent when I say we must learn to let go of the past and move forward, but at the same time, we need memories a little longer than a half a minute or a couple of days. And I use as an example Governor Northam of Virginia and the whole blackface thing, and everyone screaming, you know, he must resign, he must resign, and his saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And now who's talking about it? What is it, two months ago? Right. You know, right. So I, well, there again, you know, we, I think, have to some extent electronic media to thank for that. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and some people have, uh, are, are easily caught up in the, in the fear of the moment. Mm. And then when that, and there's so much, there's so much outrage that rains down on us every day mm. that it's impossible to sustain outrage for a period of time longer than that, uh, screen, that ephemeral screen on Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is, you know, it goes by so quickly. Every day there's something new coming down the pike, and it's on both sides, yes. right? I mean, oh, it's yes. not just left or right or, or whatever. And, you know, and who do you trust, too? Yes, exactly. is, is this real? 
Do you remember that everything is on video now? Yes, yes, it could be played. Well, obviously, Trump doesn't get that yet. He comes from television, and he doesn't understand reruns. I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> but, no uh, comment. Yes, exactly. I invited uh, Doris, as I said, because I wanted to talk politics, and I wanted her to talk politics, and she stimulates both my feelings politically and culturally and socially as I follow her on Facebook or, or talk to her in any other uh, capacity. So Doris Geltman, my guest today, attorney at law, elder law attorney, and by the way, an abiding lover of history. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the NDFL Minute. In 2006, an inconvenient truth told us that global warming was upon us, that it was caused by the actions of mankind, and that the consequences would be dire if we took no action. Ten years later, broad predictions have coalesced into horrific specifics, and climate change accelerates. Really? Who says so? Important, trustworthy people say so. Check out the eye-opening documentary, The Age of Consequences. These aren't our simultaneously lauded and vilified scientists talking, but important and thoughtful world leaders. Those who bear frontline burden. They must plan for our survival. One of the first countries to go underwater will be Bangladesh. This will be a flashpoint. Did you know there is already a fence surrounding the entire country for controlling the inevitable mass migration? Many of the biggest crises of our times, Syria, the Sudan, the failed Arab Spring, and others, are already tied to climate change. With shocking imagery driving their points home, the predictions of these world leaders are grounded in grim reality. We at the Indy Film Minute are not political animals. We only watch movies and bring your attention to the good ones. This one is a powerful eye-opener. Watch it. You'll see. The Age of Consequences. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio News Program. My guest today is attorney at law, Doris W. Geltman. She is an elder law attorney, and I invited her to come on today because... I see her on Facebook, and she's the moderator of the Facebook group. I get all my political information from Doris Geltman. We were talking about Bernie Sanders a lot and Joe Biden, but I want to ask one more Bernie question, and that is, what did you think about that uh, Fox town hall? Did they did they really uh, not expect what was going on? Because they looked absolutely shocked. Well, I mean, first of all, I should say in, in full disclosure that I I did vote for Bernie Sanders in the primary last time around. Mm-hmm. I, I've been a huge proponent of his for a long time. Mm-hmm. So having said that, I I also want to give him credit where credit is due for even going on Fox. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, there are other candidates. That's like walking into the lion's den for some of them. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, what did they expect? I mean, he's always been a straight shooter, which is part of the reason I really like him. Yes. Is, you know, somebody asks him a question and he answers it. He doesn't pander. He just answers the question. Um, and sometimes there's answers that people don't like. And, oh, well, that's, mm-hmm. that's, I like that. That's, mm-hmm. what I want to, that's what I want to hear. Yes. Well, I was surprised when I heard he was going on Fox, not because Bernie was going but because they asked him. That's what surprised me. Well, I think that they were expecting to to pull some gotchas. Yeah. Which is what they always try to pull, and that's true. I shouldn't say that just about Fox. That's true of all the cable Uh, news programs, which is why I don't listen to them. Exactly. 
And certainly don't, you know, I often complain of just a, a series of redundancy. But, you know, yeah. then I tell myself, well, you don't have to watch all of them. But I do. In my business, but, I, I kind of have a, to watch. But, you know, it's a 24-hour news program, so they have to fill a news cycle yes. with something. Yes. So, so they, they just the recycle thing. stuff. Oh, my God, yes. Health insurance. When yes. uh, the Fox moderator said, so how many people here, you know, do, get their insurance from their employer? And of course, Bernie's hand went up. How many people here would rather do, you know, what Bernie is suggesting, Bernie Sanders, uh, uh, Medicare for all, etc.? And all the hands went up. It wasn't just a joke, in my opinion, on the on at the expense of Fox, but it was a reality. It was cold water. When are we going to get that? Tell us. Well, uh, sooner is better. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I may have, you may have seen the post on Facebook that I made uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm I'm a small business, right? I'm yes. a I'm a law office, but that's a small business, and and I would dearly love to bring on some help. Mm-hmm. to expand my business. Mm-hmm. You know, small businesses want to grow. Well, these tax cuts didn't do a dang thing for me. There's no money in that for me to grow mm-hmm. my business. Mm-hmm. What people want from me is health insurance. Yes. And I cannot afford my own health insurance, much less health insurance for, for an employee. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's just not in, so as a result, I cannot grow my business, which means there's no more money flowing into the economy based on the business that I grow that I pay to another employee. It's just not going to happen. But if that pressure of health care were to be lifted from me as a small employer, can you imagine what I would do? My, mm-hmm. my business would grow in leaps and bounds. The need is tremendous. Mm-hmm. And that is not just true of me. Uh, you know, all of those things. Young people coming out of school and having to pay for their own insurance, astronomical amounts, by the way, mm-hmm. cannot buy a house especially if they're paying a student loan and buying insurance, yes. right? So those things are all intertwined. And, and what it does is it cripples our economy to have this weighing us down. And if you can't buy a house, that means other durable goods, mm-hmm. furniture, washing machines, carpet, lumber, all those other things are not being purchased because people are tying up any available capital and simply buying insurance. Hmm. Not buying health care, by the way. Yes. Buying insurance. Yeah, it's a different different thing. Yes, exactly. What do you think, then, uh, Trump's uh, tax policies? How do do they affect the wealthy as opposed to the middle class? It is actually the middle class that's getting killed because whatever taxes are being paid, because it's not Amazon, it's not these big corporations, they're they're paying zero taxes Mm -hmm. on huge profits. Mm -hmm. Bank of America, all these other people are not paying any taxes. So the tax burden must fall on small businesses and middle class people Mm -hmm. to pay for things which in my view don't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. A huge Department of Defense for wars that we don't want to be fighting. Where where is the sense in that? Exactly. Well, but but corporatism wants us fighting the wars. That's the thing. Again, oh sure, some they're making Ameri- profits on that and Absolutely. not paying any taxes. Exactly, it's a lot of money in war making. And I think I always submit that they discovered that with the Marshall Plan. World War Two comes along, and uh, uh, you know suddenly we're building all of these things because we needed them. Yep. And, and, yep. and we're course, building tanks and planes and, and exactly. all that, and pulled us right out of the depression. Exactly, and it wasn't it wasn't the government that was building it; it was the private enterprise because the government, you know, FDR said it was electric, General Motors. Exactly, and then the war was over suddenly. They we don't want to go back to the way it was. We want to keep making this kind of money. 
And the Marshall Plan got a little twisted, in my opinion, by these various corporations. The other thing that I think is important to look at, if you're going to look at that post-war period, look at what the tax policy was mm. that permitted people to buy all that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Who was carrying the tax load then? The wealthy. Yes, Yeah. the wealthy yeah. and large corporations. Yes, yes, yeah, that was true. What about? But Henry Ford had it right. Right? Uh-huh. Henry Ford knew that if he didn't pay his employees enough, they couldn't buy the right. cars he was building. Exactly. And some people do still get it. Some some do, and some choose not to. Because I think people who sit in a boardroom or design a, a plane, and, and if indeed know that there's something that's potentially dangerous, and still let it fly, well, you know... Well, uh, you know, that was the problem with Ford and the Pinto, right? Yes, that's it, right. That's it right. cost more than a human life was worth to move that gas Tank. Yeah, exactly. They knew that it was dangerous. And they did it. They anyway. knew that people were going to get killed. They knew that if they got sued, the cost of paying the settlement on a human life mm-hmm. was less than the engineering changes they would have to make. Okay, and what is past is prologue. Yes. Let's talk climate change a bit. Well, I've had the gamut of opinions, PhDs galore on my show talking about mm-hmm. climate change and the environment, but tell me. What do you see happen? I don't think you know. This 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 is such an interesting subject because I have to tell you that I never thought of until pretty recently, really, environmental issues as one that I really was passionate about. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that I am, as you know, very outspoken on, very involved in, read a lot about, get get really get my my fist into deeply. But the environment was not one of those. And and it wasn't that I didn't care. It just wasn't top of my mind awareness. And I think, and this is crazy, the thing that put me over the edge was the thing about the bees. Yes. And the disappearance of the bees. And I wasn't really all that troubled by the bees. I figured we could fix that, reverse that problem. But how that problem stretched into how it impacted other things. Mm Mm-hmm crops and the pollinization of, uh, you know, uh, all those sort of things, and how we don't know what those unintended consequences are Mm -hmm. of not doing something about this. And we're seeing the changes, I think, on a a regular basis, we're seeing the changes and the increases in hurricanes and the severity of the damage of of some of these things and droughts and other places. So when people say, oh, you know, the the earth isn't warming, well, no, it's climate change change Mm, that's mm -hmm. the problem yes it's also lots of you know other things that are going on that we are as human beings damaging and then suddenly it's like the scales fell away from my eyes Mm. and the people that really are are getting it are the young people that are going to have to live through it that's right we know that that's going to be a real consequences from that maybe not in my lifetime maybe not in your lifetime marcello Mm -hmm. but certainly the young kids who are suing the government over this. Yes. Um, and that, to me, is very exciting, A, that they care that much, yes. and B, that they're succeeding. Yes. You know, life isn't supposed to be this way for them. They were supposed no. to, as has been the case, life gets better and better for each generation, at least in America. It has been. Well, Stop except it. that we didn't get mowed down by guns in school when I was coming through school, well, right? that's true. That's uh, true. <laughs> environment wasn't drying up on me. Mm-hmm. Student loans were not hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. to, to get a decent education. If I were, if I, I would, you know, if I were a teenager right now, I would be livid. Mm. With what's been done to, what's been left under here. 
shoved under the rug. You can clean it up later. All right, foreign policy. Isolating our country, damaging the uh, relationships with allies and seeking out and admiring totalitarian regimes. What is going on, Doris? Well, I mean, you, you, you said a lot right there. Uh, you know, I think that much of that is born from ignorance mm. in the current administration. Uh, I think it's also born from a certain worldview about the superiority of white European cultures. Mm-hmm. That is, if not Trump himself, certainly he's surrounded by it. Stephen Miller and some of the other folks that he's appointed in positions mm-hmm. are a heavy influence on what's going on around the world. It just boggles my mind that things can happen in, uh, and I'm going to use some, some bad language, you're going to have to bleep this out, <laughs> uh, for in those quote-unquote shithole countries yes. that people can be, you know, there, there can be bombs going off, there can be you know, hunger going on, there could be all kinds of catastrophes going on, and we won't lift a finger to help them. We don't even have clean water, for God's sake, which mm. costs no money at all to help them with. Mm. But, you know, something happens in Paris, and, you know, those are important things. I'm not saying they're not important and that we shouldn't care about them, but it's a historic landmark. I don't know that anybody lost lost their life at that fire in Notre Dame. But maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't remember reading about it. But hundreds of people died in Indonesia yes, yes. over the weekend. So, I mean, it's very, very distorted. And then, you know, as you say, the, the whole business about, uh, you know, isolating ourselves from or the distorted view of the things, the things that I care about and care very deeply about are the rule of law and enforcing the rule of law in international law. Mm-hmm is very, very distorted, and we seem to disregard even following the rule of law, and this goes back to George Bush, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the whole role of torture and what went on in, in uh, Guantanamo and other quote-unquote black sites. Mm-hmm. The, the, that's been going on for a long time, and, yes. and I have told people this before, that when you have people like Cheney in office who are responsible for appointing people into the bureaucracies and the executive administration, those people stay in those positions yes. for a very long time, and mm-hmm. those policies stay in place for a very long time. And I think that we're still seeing the fruits of that yes. today. Yes. I think that Trump and his administration are the result of oh, yes. where we came from. Just as Hitler was not the cause of the Holocaust, he was the result yes. of what was happening in Europe at that time. Exactly. You know, anti-Semitism had been around for a long, long time before he came on the scene. He capitalized on it. Yes. Uh, and came to power in, in really not too terribly different ways than what we're seeing, yes. right? Exactly. Uh, they were legally came to power, and it did not start in 1940. It mm-hmm. started in 1920, I want to say 28, when he first came to power as chancellor, mm-hmm. and then those policies were put into place over time. It took more than a decade before any of the really egregious Nuremberg laws and things like that began to be passed. Yes. So we're, we're seeing the same sort of trajectory. I am not, for your listeners who are going to accuse me of comparing Trump to Hitler, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a historic sequence of events that yes. happens over a period of time. Yes. 
it is the people who allow this to happen because uh, uh, you know and it takes time it's the old frog in the simmering pot we see it so yes. gradually develop and in the case of bush cheney and the whole torture thing we are still moving in that same direction we're on that yes. path uh, we need to go soon but i do want to hear your thoughts about income disparity well i mean income disparity has to do with the direction that we're moving largely with tax policy mm. uh, that we talked about earlier that you know, the, the haves are having more mm -hmm. and the have-nots are, are having less and less and less. But there's another piece of this that Bernie Sanders is very eloquent about, and so is Elizabeth Warren, by the way, mm -hmm. that has to do with wages not keeping up with, uh, you know, where we are. You know, the, the economy can grow significantly, which it has, actually, in terms of GDP and things like that, but wages have been stagnant since, like, the 1970s. Yes. Why is none of that wealth coming down to the people who are making that wealth possible? And, you know, we've seen the degrading of unions or any kind of organized labor that can fight for better wages and better conditions and better insurance, by the way. All of those things have been weakened, all of those institutions that protected workers, including the working poor. There are people out there that are working two and three jobs yes. trying to keep a roof over their head no insurance, no way to educate their kids, and they're just barely, you know, able, if they're able to pay the rent, they're lucky working two and three jobs. Mm. That's insane. Yes. And what is government for if it's not for that? And yet there are many people say, no, that's not what government is for. Well, there are people who believe that government is only for the very basic sorts of things like self, you know, defense, national defense, no. and, and whatever. If that's your belief, that's fine. Uh, I, I think you should maybe try, they should try going to Somalia, where that is the only uh, government function was to, to provide for the, the national defense, and they got crazy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a little anarchy going on there. Mm. So putting that aside for just a moment in terms of what is government for, and there are people that say, oh, socialism, socialism, uh, like that's some kind of bad word. I know. Uh, I, I, I remind them that your police department is this, a social service. Yes. Right? Your fire department is a social service. Your water, Public sewer, schools. gas services, all of these things are government functions. They are all socialized. Yes. Public libraries are social. Schools are social. And there's a lot of people that don't, as you say, Betsy DeVos, by the way, believes that schools should not be public. She would rather have everybody in expensive private schools that could afford to pay for it in the hell with the rest of you. Exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a problem. All right. Well, we're going to have to do it again, Doris. You, you say when. You say when. I'll be happy to be uh, there. Okay. All right, we have been talking to and listening to Doris W. Geltman, attorney at law, elder law specifically, a private solo attorney whose practice is focused entirely on elder law. She has an abiding, a fascinating appetite for and possession of subjects that deal with U.S. presidential history and also European history from 1870 through World War II. We will have her back. There's so much more to talk about. And I ask my takeaway that I leave with you, and I'm going to ask Doris, mine is you got to pay attention. You know, the old death of a salesman, uh, Linda, yeah. his wife said, you have to pay attention. And there it is. Doris, yeah. tell us what, what should we take away from this conversation? 
Well, number one, I think you should have good sources to pay attention to, aside mm. from Marcello and Doris. My favorite, <laughs> and I'm just going to give them a plug because it, it's been a source that I've gone to for decades now, there is a project called Project Vote Smart, uh, yes, and it's yes. got a website, www.vote-smart.org. It's completely nonpartisan, and you can get the speeches, you can get the positions, you can get the voting records of anybody running for office, including your local representatives and whatnot. I recommend it highly. Excellent. And how about your website? Well, my website is not really a website. I have a Facebook page that's called uh, I Get All My Political Information from Doris Geldman. It was set up not by me, but by a friend of mine who reads many of my posts as a joke. And, but there are many people that have since signed up for it, and it's, it's still... I, I don't take it nearly as seriously as some of my friends do, but I do make quite a lot of uh, political posts on there. And that is a Facebook page called I Get All My Political Information from Doris Gilman. Okay. That's G-E-L-B-M-A-N. Thank you so very much, Doris, for being on the show. We wish you all the best and come back soon, okay? I will. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music featuring vocal artist Jenny Burton singing Tear Down the House from Is Anybody Listening? the child in you, innocent hearts now, we'll build it, we'll build it for all the world to know, once in the past those who built it did the things they had to do, but something happened along the way, something happened along the way, something managed to go astray. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Devils tap dance in Notre Dame fire as earth burns. America doesn't get the leaders it deserves, only the ones we elect. Where honor already exists, tragedy ultimately reveals humanity's heroic character. But just as the devil jovially tap-danced prematurely around the flames of an iconic thorn in his side, so too do the devils among us revive the spirit of the debunked jig by an earlier narcissistic Führer. Those here prepared for the truth of human decency remain deluded by the scent of a mesmerizing foxtrot refrain, denying history, science, and children. 
those hypnotized by Putin-possessed Pied Piper risk losing children to the flames of a world-changing environment. Swooning, they tangle with anti-Americanism, chanting, completely exonerated, no collusion, no obstruction. Nonetheless, whether a long walk home across Manhattan's bridges, a North Korean fleeing to freedom with five bullets in his body, or thousands praying along the River Seine, and the Pont des Arts, faith, hope, and love are life's resilience in true national emergencies. Like many Americans, as I've watched Notre Dame in flames, memories of 9-11 first responders, including Coast Guard-led volunteer civilian boaters, rushing toward disaster to save who and what they could, matched the flow of my tears. Watching the 850-year-old life of Notre Dame hang in the balance, like crane-held statues being removed to save life surrounding the majestic cathedral, flashes of an America simmering in a pot of denial coming to a climate change boil too late to save our children, sparked an afterburn from my youth, for burning history and I have met before. I was one of the students who defied firefighter admonitions and ran into a burning Peabody Conservatory of Music, saving treasured art, history, sheet music, and what furniture we could carry. Now, having witnessed many of life's tragic and comedic creations, I welcome the impatience of youth, for it is their job to be so, lest the rest of us fail to be better than our 115th Congress. While the inexperienced can learn from the mature the difference between digital connectivity and communication that nurtures communion, intelligence is not the sole property of university degrees or moneyed family position, and the young teach us wisdom does not emit from gray-haired white men nor made in America alone. Truth is, Throughout American history, American history has been made by both young and old, rich and poor, men and women. So why don't we know about the young, or the names of the poor? Why is the possibility of a gay president still so shocking, or the election of a 37-year-old Muslim congresswoman who dares to think and incites all to do the same? If Trump can inspire a weaponized male supporter to shoot up a pizza parlor looking for child trafficking, why can't responsible people elect a 29-year-old former Bronx bartender capable of reaching deep into America's FDR soul to save our planet A? Young women, like 29-year-old Katie Booman, attacked for proving Einstein's theory of general relativity, and 46-year-old Taraji P. Henson of Hidden Figures, have always existed, like Sybil Luddington, who rode twice as far as Paul Revere to warn the colonists at Danbury, Connecticut, the British are coming. But men of all colors still choose to prequel Chuck Grassley. Clearly America burns with national emergencies. In road rage, neglected infrastructure, overpriced health insurance, and the Trump family's trading American sovereignty for a second gilded age. Time we douse this incendiary regime, whose first priority is burning bridges to affordable health care, safe environment, national security, and children. When some convince vengeful leaders who incite violence they are above the law, the fire in our belly needs to rekindle our burning desire for open minds regarding America's 2016 Russian-infected elections. Alexa's in-home spy system, Candace Owens' robust Southern strategy deceit, 
not to mention globalization that has existed since wealthy Republican household names manipulated the 1948 Marshall Plan for their bottom line. And if our personal data must be a bargain chip for Facebook, let us at least put Zuckerberg on notice that we know his heart is in trading us for profit, like other internet duplicity threatening children with measles, ice, and the Trump. America's fear, bigotry, hate, racism, sexism, and immigrant-banning devils are as devastating to our humanity as the loss of Notre Dame would have been to our souls. Can we not now admit, in order to be what we claim, we need to refuse to allow William Barr to torch our Constitution, checks and balances, and balance of power, before his serial arrogance reduces America to ashes? If we desire a nation that tweets venom, then America is already suffocating in the smoke and mirrors of a con artist-in-chief reflecting only a third of us. Retrieving our values from Republican embers, let's now resurrect America as point zero for an all-inclusive world. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.